This episode is brought to you by Artudo. Go follow his Instagram at artdoza1988. That's A R T D O Z A 1988. Spread tacos, not fear and war. Tacos are packed full of vitamins and minerals like fiber, vitamin C, calcium, and iron. And if you go to the taco trucks, guaranteed to be fresh and not have any of the crazy stuff that Monsanto wants to put in you. If you've been feeling a little down on the outs and you don't have anybody there for you, you can call me anytime. I've got a link at the show description. And you can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. For the U.S., it's 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. There are good people out there, and people do care. I care. Arturo cares. Give the world a chance. is so dangerous the patient can't purchase it over the counter how in the world can you expect to advertise it in a fair manner that has anything close to some sort of informed consent in a, in a simple brief TV or radio ad or one pager in a magazine and there really is no green light process for ads from the FDA they do have a process where they will say you can't say certain things but that's more after the fact and it's um, policed in a way that is To empathize my empathy, the theme of addiction, we all suffer in all honesty. And the topic important, the issue is growing. Humanity never been so lost in the direction we going. You see, I tend to see the irony in mainstream belief. Society quick to line up, shy to look past their feet. So the first thing validated, no one challenges the statement. Well, since I learned the irony there, I step lonely pavement. But first, just let me say, I'm not a hypocrite. I don't shun addicts. They ain't proud of it, but shouldn't be ashamed. Society taught me to shame it, and the people preached the same, yet never once did it heal addiction. So now don't you think that's strange? And then I saw a TED talk that put me on game. Showing the lies we all believed was us projecting our shame as blame. Y'all's shame is blame. Listen to and look at yourself and see the whole mind change, your whole mind change. It ain't trauma. That ain't the root of addiction. It ain't trauma. That only tiptoes the mention you see from drug addiction, porn addiction, sex and masturbation. 
whether it's uppers or downers, injected, huffed, or snorted, eating disorders, cutting or self-mutilation, causes hallucinations, gambling addiction, shopping addiction, pharmaceuticals are herbally smoked for inhalation. Only one common factor links all addictions together and I never shamed an addict ever since I heard the answer. The root cause of all addiction is the pain you feel within your chest, that emotional pulling deeply of human disconnect, wrongfully forced by false meaning, alienation from the human connection needed by each of us since conception. And it's ironic, not funny, the hypocrisy we went and condemned addictions. Open your eyes to see yourself in your hypocritical sin. We're all human. So you know the feeling, ostracization, bullied youth, devalued, deprived of love, cruelty of racism from society for years growing up, the feeling of being abandoned by your family or friends, a loving devoted wife feels it discovering who her husband was with. It's being called a freak for the way you talk or how you dress. It's life being so cruel, death took away your family, now you're the only one left. Rejection. You invested your hope in the miracle you needed and got rejected. It's infinite different reasons from one root causal feeling, that pulling feeling within, the ache. Well, that's ironic if we look at it. Cause that means addicts ain't the hypocrites It's all else who the hypocrites While the addicts be the innocent And it just made total sense We literally bled our prejudice in every word we ever said And every action ever done Had punishment when no crime was done While all in all the people sang in unison Projecting shame Has blame The cure for addiction is human connection And to strengthen the bond that's what I heard and saw, the data showed, on that TED talk. So tell me why people shun and shame all addicts as if they did something wrong. Tell you what's wrong is people saying they don't want to enable by providing human connection and so deprive them what they know will help. And impose a punishment through forced rejection and disconnection they already suffer. As to project the shameful emotions you deny as though they belong to another. It's scientifically proven, no matter the using, strengthening the bond and connection between people is the cure. So since the cause of addiction is the same shunning and shaming of addicts by all else unaddicted, I say I'm not proud to be an addict. I realized I have many addictions. And so do you. Except I don't need to put an addict down just to feel like I'm cool. I can't project denial of emotions I know I'm aware of. I ain't conflicted over how the hypocrite enables by the very eyes they glare from. Me and all my brothers as the whole of the meek. I will always rather stand with them than go back to sleep. A mystic man once taught and preached, don't do what you hate. A thistle doesn't grow a rose, nor thorn grow a grape. Elephant in the room says, who bashfully too shy to show face? 
Well, let's look around. While I, authentically me, sincerely yours, mean just what I say, it's for you that I pray. Amen. <laughs> All right, okay. Hi everyone, this message is for the President of the United States. So if you know someone close to him, please tag them so they can bring this to his attention. My name is Alma Ohenio Pari. I'm a person of faith, a husband of 16 years, and a father of four wonderful children. I am also an immigrant to the United States of America. I came here at the age of 19, full of hope, optimism, and a willingness to do what was necessary to achieve the American dream. After 18 years of waiting and hoping, I was finally granted the privilege of becoming an American citizen in 2021. Today, I am a proud American, a law-abiding patriot, and a man willing to defend the principles and values that made America great and brought people like me here. Mr. President, I am also a conservative Republican, or what you have recently labeled a MAGA Republican. Over the last few days, you have looked into the camera and called me and millions of other people like me extremists. You have told me and my children that we don't matter to you because of our beliefs. Your spokespeople and the media have labeled us dangerous, full of hate and a threat to democracy. You went as far as to suggest that we would not stand a chance against the government's F-15s in defending our country from tyranny. Your party leaders have taken your cue and called us terrorists, and all this without taking any time to acknowledge our humanity, listen to our concerns, or seek to understand our fears. I was born in a country where my rights were not always guaranteed. And to hear the President of America and the leader of the free world dismiss more than 70 million of his own countrymen as fringe and extreme and not worth listening to breaks my heart 
and makes me wonder what I should tell my children about the future of this once great shining city on a hill. This is the reason many of us embrace the call to make America great again. It is because we believe our great nation is under a moral, fiscal, and spiritual assault. We are MAGA because we want to restore the promise in the hearts of our children that this is the place where their efforts will be rewarded and where their true potential can be realized. We are MAGA because we believe in freedom of speech, the freedom to exercise our religion. We believe in limited government and the rule of law. We are MAGA because we love the Constitution and believe our founders established a means for we the people to defend it from enemies both foreign and domestic. I am MAGA because I want to be able to look into the eyes of my four black children to assure them that they're not victims, that they hold inside them what it takes to achieve anything they set their hearts on. We believe our leaders should put America and its interests first before any other nation. We believe our government should not saddle our children and grandchildren with insurmountable debt, chasing after a misguided idea of controlling or changing the course of the climate. Millions of us were horrified to witness what happened on January 6th and believe that justice must be served. But we also see through the attempt to paint all Republicans with the false moniker of insurrectionists and to conflate the genuine misgivings of those who feel disaffected and disenfranchised with an unfounded accusation that we are somehow against democracy. We are MAGA because we love law enforcement, but doubt whether the Justice Department or the FBI can be trusted to deal fairly and impartially when they have given us clear and repeated evidence of their political bias against half of the country. As a new American, this November will be the first time I get to exercise my right to vote, a right I've waited nearly two decades to earn. I understand the urge during an election season to attack those you see as political opponents. But Mr. President, I am not your enemy and the tens of millions of MAGA Republicans are not filled with hate towards anyone. We love this country. We are heirs of the great legacy of freedom this country has afforded us and wish to exercise our right to be heard and not demonized. So I ask you, Mr. President, to tear down this wall of divisiveness and division that seeks to pit your fellow citizens against one another. Heed your own call for unity and lay off the rhetoric that seeks to demonize and defame millions of people who would give their lives and fortunes to defend these United States. If you believe in the redemption of America, then give my children a reason to hope, a reason to believe that our best days are ahead of us, in spite of the challenges we face as a country. Thank you for listening. So then you guys think of your questions. Uh, next insider, Zach Voorhees, very brave man because he worked for Google, Google, and had some powerful uh, information. One of the slides which will show, it, it said that they have algorithmic unfairness at Google. That means that even if the facts are factually accurate, we'll censor them because the truth can be unfair. And it's a theme we're, we're seeing 
and all the tech companies, Facebook, Morgan Common, who couldn't be here today, they, they had vaccine hesitancy rankings. So even if it's factually accurate, we're going to censor it and we do not want the public to know. Zach, say a few words. Yeah, so um, I worked at Google for eight and a half years. Fantastic job. I loved it so much. But in 2016, that all changed when the wrong president got democratically elected. And the senior executives at Google decided that they were gonna put the toothpaste back into the tube of populism and nationalism. And for those of you who haven't seen the all-hands meeting that they had about a week after the election, Google said some really inappropriate things. And Breitbart leaked the video, but what most people skipped past, which was actually the most important part of this video, was a question by one of the Google employees to Sundar Pichai. And the question was, what was one of the most effective things that Google did during the 2016 election? And his answer was that they had used machine learning in order to censor the fake news. And I remember sitting at my really comfortable desk at YouTube, um, which Google owns, and thinking to myself, wait a minute, we're censoring fake news? Isn't the mission statement of Google to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful? How does that fit into a reality when we are deciding what's fake news and what's real news and then censoring it? And so this started a very long rabbit hole that I started to go down. And like Carrie here, I, I would consider myself a leftist for my entire life, like bordering socialist, more like a classical liberal, really. But um, as I started to untangle why Google was censoring fake news and the system that they were using to censor the fake news, uh, there's also a personal story of my deconstruction, as I realized that um, everything that the media was saying was kind of contrived and kind of a social construct. And once you really kind of get that and you start seeing it everywhere, you start realizing that, um, well, I'll just be honest, there's a foreign intelligence operation operating within the United States that's pumping our soft minds with propaganda. And, and their secret weapon is that the people don't know that this is actually happening. And so we don't have to get guns, we don't have to like stage an insurrection. All we have to do is give people the truth. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to show everyone what I saw as a full-time employee. And what I saw was, was really eye-opening. And, um, and so that's why I came to Project Veritas. They were the best outfit to be able to deliver this story to you, the American public. And I, I look around the other day. I talked with several of you, and we asked each other a lot of questions. I asked you questions, you asked me questions, and an idea for a song started brewing then. And since I saw you last Saturday, I wrote this song. And I just finished writing this song, the fourth or fifth rewrite this morning, so that's why I've got to have the cards to remind myself of what the words are, the last version I wrote. This song is a 
very personal thing, I suppose you might say, but it's the way I feel about a lot of things. This song is called The Man in Black. Well, you wonder why I always dress in black Why you never see bright colors on my back And why does my appearance always have a somber tone Well, there's a reason for the things that I have on I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down Living in the hopeless hungry side of town and I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime but still is there because he's a victim of the time I wear the black for those who've never read or listened to the words that Jesus said about the road to happiness through love and charity why you think he's talking straight to you and me well we're doing mighty fine I do suppose in our streak of lightning cars and fancy clothes but just so we're reminded of the ones who are held back up front there ought to be a man in black I wear it for the sick and lonely old For the reckless ones whose bad trip left them cold I wear the black in mourning for the lives that could have been Each week we lose a hundred fine young men And yes, I wear it for the thousands who have died Believing that the Lord was on their side and wear it for another hundred thousand who have died Believing that we all were on their side Well, there's things that never will be right, I know And things need changing everywhere you go But till we start to make a move To make a few things right You'll never see me wear a suit of white I'd love to wear a rainbow every day To tell the world that everything's okay But maybe I can carry off a little darkness on my back Till things are brighter, I'm the man in black Thank you for listening to my show, Starseeds, Angels, Savant Syndrome, and I am the Mystic Man, and you are the mystic audience, mystical men and women that are a complete mystery to me. It's very much an essence of an, uh, an air of mystique around you. You don't talk much, do you? not on my show. Why is that? You should come on my show. I insist. But, of course, passively and um, with a, a lot of uh, respect for consent. Unlike the uh, FDA and uh, CDC <clears throat> and uh, 
Fauci. <clears throat> you know, they don't really care much for consent. They're more about manipulation. <clears throat> like narcissists. Okay, I don't even know why I'm acting like I'm coughing. Because I'm not coughing, you know. And um, it's not even a joke, really. It's really gross how these motherfuckers, and this show is explicit, so I must say that. These asshole pricks are just going about like they they totally just pulled the greatest crime against humanity that our recorded history has ever ever witnessed and recorded and they're trying to of course censor it which is ridiculous we've got blockchain technology everything is permanent now on on blockchains all over you know and um I'm not just saying that because I'm from the uh, Silicon Valley. I mean, originally from Maui, but I'm based out of Silicon Valley. Yes, don't hate. Don't hate. I didn't choose to come here. I could move, I suppose, but I I think I like it here, you know. Um, even though it's probably going to sink under because it's California. And it was prophesized by Edgar Casey, who... Uh, Actually, by the way, the Navy um, map for the future coastlines of the U.S. Navy coastline mapping thingies. Actually, they go off of uh, Edgar Casey's predictions, believe it or not. And um, that says a lot. I mean, I would, too. You know, I mean, he predicted the discovery of frickin' Pluto He pre- when we would discover it, too. And um, he predicted the uh, Great Depression, uh, World War II. Um, he predicted his own death. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Marilyn Monroe went to him. A president went to him. I can't remember who. A Rockefeller went to him, actually. And who knows? Maybe that's like a major reason how they got rich. Um, I believe it was John D. Rockefeller who said... Millionaires don't go to astrologers. Billionaires do. Of course, it got reworded nowadays, and people lazily uh, misquote him, saying, um, millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. But actually, he said to use astrologers, because he's a user type, because that's what the wealthy are like. Not all of them. Not all of them. But that's a good point that I want to get down to. You know, I'm a firm believer in earning your keep. I don't believe in hand-me-downs, and I especially don't believe in, um, you know, uh, somebody dying and leaving money over to you. I don't believe in that. I don't think any of that should ever be a thing. I don't believe in the whole, um, you know, uh, passing down of uh, nobility as a, a birthright, you know, because nobility is supposed to be about deed. It's supposed to be about noble actions. It's supposed to be you attain your status by being honorable. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not always easy, of course, you know, because evil, wickedness, corruption, it likes to, like, corrupt like especially those that seem incorruptible and i mean like i think the best easiest safest way to go about things is to be in the middle you know be like slightly you know just be human 
You know what I mean? Don't try to go and be super good. Don't do that. Don't do that. Even Carl Jung warned about that. And um, the way he put it was, you know, you, you try to be super good and you end up swinging back the other way with more force, you know, and, and, and end up being a villain, you know. But if you try to be a villain with like, you know, you really try and, and to be bad, you end up swinging the other way. And um, learning to encompass moral virtues. Personally, I believe that ethics and morality and things like justice, I believe they're inherent. Yeah, I believe that they're inherent with consciousness itself. For instance, uh, to be able to use logic, right? You know, for the mind to use logic, the process it goes through is through a process of uh, neuron cannibalism, basically. Uh, you know, neurons fight for survival. You know, the um, connections of neural synapses that survive are the ones that actually have more fluidity, you know, and they're in their logical networking. And the ones that die are the ones that, uh, you know, kind of uh, were a block, you know, and um, they, they, they were wrong, <laughs> you know, and it's a, a very chaotic um, war in your mind. That's actually what the feeling is, you know, they say that the brain can't feel, but that's such a complete bullcocka. Your brain can feel. You feel headaches when you go through things like cognitive dissonance, right? You know, when you, when you face a bias, when you face something that, that undermines a belief that you had, right? And you uh, kind of have to destroy a whole structure that you had formerly built. And it's natural. It's completely natural. And if you think about it, that's exactly how it would have to work, right? And that's how the universe works, too. Like links up with like. Like begets like. Things that uh, are alike connect. That's synchronicity for you. Things that don't match up, well, they don't connect, you know, but sometimes it could kind of seem like it, right, you know? And molecules act the same way. But if you get enough molecules that connect because they are the same, and I mean that either they are the same exact molecules or they have the same pattern structures, well, then they link up to become a crystalline structure, which allows light to pass through. That's why crystals are see-through. The more the molecules are aligned, the more the photons can pass through more fluently. And such is truth, such is light, such is a good proper foundation for a mind that is not insane. Now, what's hard is when you have a whole structure of your mental composite of your whole life, and um, it's, it's composited of all these basically regurgitated beliefs, you know, um, handed down to us. They're not really our, our beliefs. We just, you know, 
hold on to them because they were, you know, put in our hands, in our minds. And we uh, built a structure around it and of it. And, you know, what sucks is like, that's how a lot of people kind of lose it, right? You know, that's why the whole theme of uh, mysticism, it's dangerous because you have to take it gently. And I try my best not to ever be a guru to anybody. I don't want to be a guru to anybody or a teacher to anybody. Um, I just, I say what I believe and I try to make sense of things. That's all I do, you know. Um, but I've had it before where I've talked to people and they've ended up in the mental institution twice, actually, um, just from having a conversation with me, you know, uh, maybe consecutive conversations. I don't know, you know, I'm not them, um, but it sucks, you know, and it, um, it's not like I try to like make people go crazy. It's just that there are things that are simple and sometimes those simplicities really undermine people's entire false structure of beliefs. And a lot of times, um, you know, if, um, if you're from a different culture or, you know, um, if you're as ignorant as me, sometimes you don't really notice or understand the processes of other people's, uh, cultures or mind frames. And, um, I've had to learn to be more careful about it, you know, because I do, I, I care, you know, and I think that's a natural thing. We all naturally empathize. We naturally do. By default, you have to empathize. You have to be able to empathize in order to understand language. The entire process of language interpretation is done through empathy. So I, I, that's why I don't believe um, it when they say that narcissists can't empathize. No. And I don't even really like the term narcissist per se, but it does cover a really amazingly accurate range of tendencies which uh, are important to talk about and for everybody to be aware of uh, but not in a shaming shunful way because it's not really like their fault you know I had a uh, I guess a epiphany a couple weeks ago there was uh, somebody that I knew that suffered a like pretty spot on like if it was a clinical like you know ish, the clinical labeled disease or illness then it, that would be like perfect case example no offense to whoever might have narcissistic tendencies but um, she couldn't see her own guilt you know and um like, she couldn't see, like, her own the things that she did wrong. And, and like, at first it was frustrating to me. And, it, it, of course, it's frustrating to anybody that, like, you know, I mean, like, gets harmed or, you know, um, even just in a debate, you know, with somebody that uh, doesn't really care about the logical theme of things and um, structure of the ways that... Uh, general emotions work like shame and guilt and um, sorrow and and um, apologizing even but I thought about it and I realized like I can't be mad at anybody for that 
imagine being, you know, in their scenario. Like, imagine not being able to see yourself wrong in things. Like, that, that must be hard, you know? Like, that would cause a lot of um, strife in a person's life. And um, it, it must be really hard, you know? Everybody around them would be, like, annoyed at them for things that they, they wouldn't understand. And um, that's how it is, really. You know, if you know a narcissist, try to put yourself in their shoes. Like, I mean, sure, you know, um, cognitively, they can connect the dots. But for some reason, there's a emotional discordance between the empathizing of a person as though they are yourself to the point where you just don't want to be hypocritical and you want to take accountability just for the sake of having integrity for your own self and um but for them they 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 uh seem to already believe that they are the most um accountable and they have the most integrity and are always justified in every action that they do and um they just really really don't like shame and um if you try to force them into shame, they get suicidal. And hey, you know, don't we all, when we really are like, when we really realize that like, we're wrong in something that was really like, you know, really wrong of us to, 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 to you know, be wrong about, we feel like crap about ourselves. And you know, um, so in empathizing, I think that, uh, I don't think I could really be mad about a person um, in that predicament because like that's a hard life you know and um, there's no reason to make it harder on them for whatever reason it is that 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 they um, try to evade shame avidly aggressively for whatever reason that's okay we're all different you know Everybody's different, and um, it's not a, a a overall like thing that like. I mean, they 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 live amongst us in society perfectly fine, not not perfectly fine, and I shouldn't say they like they're you know aliens or something. Maybe they are, <laughs> but anyways, um, you know we all have our our, our blind spots in empathy we could put it as if we look at the zodiac right the wheel of the zodiac the wheel of your horoscope don't go for those sun horoscope things those are bogus you know there is a reason why you know everybody says like oh that could apply to anybody because it does apply to everybody you know the sun is constantly moving (laughs) well um, technically we are moving but so is the sun and um, I think the whole point about real astrology is to realize that we are the cosmos in all of its function and fashion. And the more that we can see how we are, all of the different aspects that exist in the universe, the more we can understand and be at peace with things. And I think that that's probably the most painless, well, not painless, but uh, the least 
suffering, you know, uh, <laughs> inflicting uh, way to go about things, you know, when you live life in a more calm manner. And believe me, I am saying that out of the experience of not having lived life in a calm manner. Uh, well, I guess in my youth, sure, you know, but that was like more like a traumatized, like, yeah, that w- yeah, I, I was just like deadpan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you know, I mean, uh, Alan Watts put it as a, a cat falling out of a tree does not cling to itself or fling about flailing its arms and legs. It doesn't do that. It just naturally relaxes when it falls off a tree, and then what happens? It lands on its feet. And because it naturally relaxes, you know, its spine goes all wobbly, and it just chills, and it falls, and it just relaxes. It doesn't break any bones, you know. A cat can fall from an amazing height and just land on its feet fine. We probably could, too. There's been cases of people falling out of airplanes, you know, uh, or the whole airplanes falling, you know, and losing its wings and falling. People in the freaking things and and people like being flung out of the um, you know out of their seats and just flying through the air, hundreds of feet. I, I wouldn't say thousands because I mean I'd figure that you know that's a uh, probably thousands uh, for some cases, but I'm sure that thousands of feet people died. Surely, maybe not. But uh, I, I know that there's been many cases of people surviving from falling from hundreds of feet. And um, I assume it wasn't with them all, like, clenched up, you know. They were probably, like, chilling because they just figured, okay, I'm going to die. And if you've ever skydove, which is a beautiful experience, it doesn't feel like you're, like, falling at all. It feels like you're just, like, floating and hovering there. And sure, the ground's... You know, come in really faster, but but it's not as scary as you um, would think if you have a fear of heights. I never skydived before, you know. But just in general, when you relax in life, you know, uh, if you're drowning, right, a man drowning, right, if he, he's freaking out, he's gonna drown faster. But if he just chills and like conserves his breath and waits, he'll float to the top. You know, and um, I'm a hypocrite here for sure. And I'm going to be a hypocrite later in life, no doubt. But I'm saying that this is a very practical thing because I could see that it's the thing that I barely ever do. And I've really covered the grounds when it comes to like, you know, flunking it in life and all kinds of manners. You know, I, I don't understand why anybody would take the word of somebody who like only succeeds no 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 that's totally against logic take the word of the people who fail you know and that's really the route to true success you know a person who who hasn't failed is gonna fail really really badly and if you have all of your like stake in following the mannerisms of that person ooh, you know that's a that's dangerous
You know, when I was a kid, I used to get angry a lot. I still do. You know, I've got anger issues, anger. Uh, I was in anger management for a bit when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I don't know. They say that, um, oh, that's a problem. You know, that's a this or that. You know, got to handle that or whatever. I don't agree. I don't agree. I think that, um, um, I think that having the aptitude to be able to express it properly and, and properly as in, um, whatever the situation calls for most, I think that's an important thing, you know, uh, wrath is an important thing. It's an important thing in society. It's even an important thing in our relationships. And certain things do call for it. They do. Uh, I'd, I'd say the same for every emotion. You know, what is a, what is revenge? What is vengeance? Well, it's really a characteristic of justice. You know, something that we all feel naturally within. We all desire harmonic balance of our of our um, surroundings of our society of our relationships you know that's a natural thing and um you know what, what is uh, revenge well it's it's really a creation of deterrence because there needs to be deterrence there has to be a deterrence for everything in order to protect the innocent you know to protect ourselves and, um, that's because there is a, uh, an aptitude when it comes to ignorance, denial, arrogance, these things, they, um, they tend to create disharmony in our lives. You know, it's the blindness, the blind spot that we all have. That's why communication is so important. That's why honesty is so important. And that's why things like lies, um, things like manipulation, things like secrecy, they're uh, so destructive to our environment, to our, to our relationships, to our society. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's important to respect that because in the sense, we all have it. We all have this desire for it in any, uh, situation where we felt wronged, right? Isn't there that natural desire to make things right? That's why forgiveness is a gift. It's a gift. Of course, it should be always strived for, but in our modern Christian, mostly, uh, um, society, you know, we've been, uh, taught to do it as a, a must, as a um, imposed mind frame and expect it to. And you see, that deteriorates the value of it. That's not respecting the, the, the value of it. Forgiveness is something to be appreciated, not expected. 
you know, if anything, if we look at things as they've been naturally to whatever we could call natural, uh, vengeance should be expected, you know, and I think that that's, uh, something that's only really missed and unappreciated and, um, really just not, not appreciated in, um, by the spoiled, by those too spoiled to have experienced it. And, uh, it happens, you know, some people go about their lives and just in their situations, whatever they might have been, they didn't get to experience it. There's a first time for everything, right? I myself, I always seek to make sure that things, if they're ever wrong, if I do anybody wrong, if I've wronged somebody, I always seek to try to make it right, to try to talk to them. If, uh, if there's, if it's just about a disagreement in beliefs, then try to work it through. Try to meet halfway in something. And I think that's very important. Because if you just leave it as, uh, um, oh well, fuck them. And then just ghost. Well, you could expect that to come back to you. And I'm not saying in a karmic way specifically, because if that person is upset enough, they'll seek a vengeance. And the last thing you want in your life is, uh, some unknown thing coming in, uh, just disrupting the harmony of whatever you have in your life, uh, years later even. Sometimes that's the case, you know. And you might think, oh my god, that was so long ago. But you left that person in a ditch. And you might say, oh, well, that's their own thoughts. That's their own responsibility to take care of. Yeah, you left them to take care of it. <laughs> you know, and instead of being the more um, considerate person and doing what, you know, obviously would have helped save your ass from having to deal with it coming back. I, I, I figure that these aspects were, um, common sense. These are things that, um, things that I went over in my mind as a kid, and I think that most do. But, I guess not everybody, you know. And, you know, this really, you know, it's the considering of that aspect that really brings down the importance of why we should seek to gain forgiveness and why we should seek to forgive. And that's because in the eye for an eye value, which does naturally arise in us, you know, we see that well, in the blindness of taking responsibility for our own actions, in how we might harm somebody, 
And, um, well, things just go straight down to hell, you know. I hurt you, you hurt me. So I hurt you, then you hurt me. And the vengeance just takes and diminishes away from our lives. Each. Bit by bit. It just... It's a vortex. It's a uh, spiraling, tumbling down to hell. Just destroying. When the truth is, if we look at it, it's all due to... the agreement to not look at our own selves. And the thing is about that is it does take two. You see, one person could just forgive and forget and move on. But that doesn't really change anything, does it? Because the other person still is dealing with the uh, the hurt. You know? Desiring for that to be understood by the other and that's a spiritual aspect you know in any culture in every culture we see that spirit in uh, many stories myths and um, legends and um, scripture it takes a personal responsibility to inflict upon that I do believe that every spiritual being has a aspect at least a understanding and a desire for justice that might seem counterintuitive or counter uh, contrasting to to some stories that we might know of biblically but I do believe that if you look at it well that's the thing is that from each perspective if we empathize it does make sense it might not be something that we agree with or desire but in the uh, aspect of looking at, like, for say, um, the jinn, right? The jinn were the uh, beings of the smokeless flame. Solomon supposedly used them to build his temple. In uh, some stories' context, in other stories' context, uh, it was the uh, Phoenicians. But it, as uh, um, the, the tale in one path goes, the jinn did not like that. You see, he Solomon used them in the sense of uh, slavery. He was given the wisdom of magic and how to call upon them to enforce them to create his temple for him. And supposedly they did not like that. Who would have thought, right? They didn't like that for a long time. And that desire to get vengeance lasted for a long time. And uh, some say it's still there. Although the modern uh, 
belief is that the jinn, the genie, or um, some might say that they are the same as the uh, fallen angels, who knows. Uh, the modern belief is that they have their own society, that they have their own laws, and that one of those laws is to not interact with mankind. And, of course, they have criminals <laughs> who do interact with mankind and who do and many different facets of uh, relationship from harmful to romance, supposedly. And it does make sense. Anything, any being with uh, free will with um, the capacity for a personhood, an identity. I'm saying that as in um, to have an ego. Would, of course, go about things in a way that allows for logic. And one of the things that is the antithesis to logic is um, hypocrisy. And yet it exists, doesn't it? Hypocrisy exists. It only exists, we find, in two scenarios. One is the denial, the blindness, you know, the uh, complete ignorance to the fact, not seeing, you know, the connection. And the other is uh, seeing it, but having a different set of values which uh, supersedes that hypocrisy, you know, and a, a underlying reason which to that person is more valuable. Generally in those situations for the second, for the uh, uh, latter, we find that it's something unsaid, something they can't say, something they won't talk about. And I do believe that this is a constant thing and theme because they can't talk about it because they subconsciously know that if they do, to face that hypocrisy, it would shatter a false reality about the whole thing you know sometimes um, we fight to destroy ourselves to hide from awakening to the truth because the truth would mean something shameful something embarrassing something humiliating on a deep level you know, about how wrong we were. And only the most meek and humble and those with humility ever do seek for themselves to see if they're wrong. And avidly so. And that's something that builds character. Now, it doesn't mean that um, anybody's particularly better than anybody else, but when we're going to talk about in certain themes, at certain themes, you know, 
uh, you might be better than me at badminton. And that is a thing that is measurable, chartable, you know, something that we can experiment and see to find whether it's true. And yes, there's a good chance that you're better than me at badminton. So when we talk about a person being better than anybody else, we're talking about in characteristics, in specific characteristics, and um, in a value system to which we already do automatically apply to one another. You know, sometimes in arguments we come to a position where we're attacking the other person's character. Usually, in those situations, we don't really mean what we say. We're just trying to get them, uh, we're just trying to knock them a belt down, you know, notch down on the belt, you know, try to, um, we feel that they might have too much pride in themselves and they've overstepped their bounds. So, you know, in arguments, we say things that we don't mean. And other times we say things that are true, that we do mean. And um, in both situations, it's possible to regret it in the sense of just wish that we didn't because we didn't want to hurt them. And even the not wanting to hurt another, you know, I do believe that that's an underlying theme in general. But it's a tough one to come to. For some, you know, for some, it's automatic. It's um, quick. It's uh, natural. I, I, it should be natural for everybody. I'm not sure why it's not. Um, you know, guilt is an important thing. It's uh, it's an important emotion to go through. It's not the greatest thing to have to go through. But in the sense of feeling the emotion, we can face that and then we can not do the thing that we felt guilty of in the future. And that's something to look at, isn't it? You know, if it's something that we would be ashamed of, if it's something that we would feel guilty of, right? Something bad. Then why do it more? Right? There's two senses to that, you know. Sometimes as the uh, second person looking into a situation, we might think, oh, there's something that they should feel guilty about and ashamed about, and yet they keep doing it. And um, then maybe you should talk to them and see why, you know, why they don't. And, uh, you know, the, if you're not specifically, well, that would be probably because subconsciously you know that you're wrong and you don't want to take the chance of having your reality destroyed and uh, that's the see that's the like manner you know there's no reason to not confront about anything you know uh, maybe there's bad timings for things but if something is uh, causing you to make a judgment or make a action or make a, a, a judgment call, something is causing you to take choices that 
that uh, either hinder or, or impose or harm another, and you're not talking about it to that person, that's cruelty. It's inhumane, and it's wrong, and it's cowardice on your end. Communication is important. It's the whole point. You don't have the right to treat another person any different than as a human being with respect if you can't confront them about a situation, about anything that might be imposing on your judgment. Because you could be wrong in anything. You never, ever, ever tell yourself the uh, lazy excuse of, um, oh, well, they'll just say this or they'll just do that. No, 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 no. Put it in the crucible. You don't get to make that judgment call. You could, of course, but it's that exact ignorance, um, arrogance, excuse me, that's creative of evil evil actions you know there was a saying that i used to say it's um if you imagine that there's a room full of people and they're all innocent they're innocent hearted innocent people by all means and categories and then satan comes in and starts whispering to one of them just one of them that another one of them in there is evil. Well, what happens, you know, if that person has fear in their heart, then uh, soon enough, they will all start doing evil actions, treating each other through evil actions, treating each other inhumanely, claiming each of them that another one is evil. Then they would all be right. The only way that would be able to be uh, stopped or um, uh, if the only way to, to stop that from happening is from within the people themselves and their capacity to either just completely not have any fear, which is pretty hard for us humans, or to go through a step of processes that allows for justice. And I don't say that in a self-righteous way. I mean, I know that um, if I, I sometimes make mistakes myself. And when I do, and if they, I ever harm somebody because of it, then I should be held accountable. And I would like to know in those senses of where I've hurt somebody or where I'm guilty of something. Because when I see that I'm guilty of something, I seek to make it right. Because you know what? Vengeance is a real thing. Justice is a real thing. A man once said, uh, The arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. There's another saying that goes, uh, Justice may sleep, 
but it never dies. And when we talk about these terms, we're talking about justice as a force of nature. And we're also talking about them in the sense that sometimes things might seem like like they're just being allowed to be wrong. But actually, if we do look at history, things come around. Things come around in uh, very powerful and um, intense ways. And if we don't make it right ourselves, then we can't expect anything but that. I don't take karma to be a punishment kind of thing. I take it to be a thing of nature. Uh, nature knows no sense of um, good or bad. It just knows like and like and uh, oppositions, dualities, and, um, and trinities. Karma is work, you know, that's all it is, it's work, it's the energy that's put in, and um, dharma is what's received, and it's based on karma. Sometimes I think that we do have a responsibility to take part in that as human beings. And other times, it's understandable when we can't. And other times, it's uh, maybe we shouldn't, but we still do. I guess all in all, we'll see. And we will see. Uo mao ke ea o ka aina ikapono. O humanity.